Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I don't have my co-host with me, Gina Warfel, but I do have a really special guest here today. Um, Greg Selvison, he is a psychologist. I'm going to have him introduce himself soon, but he's a psychologist from Australia. He just immigrated to the United States. And as most of you know, this platform, the Guts Health platform, Provo Health, like we are so science-based and we we love research and we are moving into this mindset, getting your mind right, healing your traumas, healing healing your brain to help heal your body. And I've shared a little bit of my own experience of losing Tristan and how that's caused a lot of emotional distress and like watching him go through his journey. I've kind of shared that and how that's caused a lot of PTSD for me. And so part of my, my gutsy health mission is to spread the word of, you know, mental healing because mental healing is just as important, if not more important than the physical, because I always say that the brain is like the thermostat to the rest of the body. If the thermostat in your house is broken, then your house is too hot or too cold. And so if your brain isn't working for you, it's working against you and it works against you when, you know, I always say neurons that fire together, wire together. And so if you have this neural wiring uh, for trauma, for PTSD, for like highly intense emotional reactions, because that's what protected you or kept you safe many years ago. If that is what your thermostat is running off of, then your body's not going to feel good in that heightened fight or flight response. You need to get out of that sympathetic dominant response and into a parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest and heal. So with this very long intro, <laughs> Provo Health is, again, like I said, I've mentioned the ketamine clinic that we're going to be bringing soon. But EMDR therapy is one of these tools that we are putting in our belt now. And Provo Health now provides EMDR services. And Greg Selvison is our therapist that is going to be providing that. And so, Greg, Welcome. I'm so excited for you to tell us about EMDR therapy and why it is one of you guys. If you try to find an EMDR therapist in Utah County, it's impossible. Everyone's booked months out. It was so hard to find someone to get to do it in clinic. And so we are so beyond lucky and grateful to have you here, Greg. So welcome. Introduce yourself. Tell us why you're here and tell us about EMDR therapy and why it is this booming part of psychology that everyone is is really excited about. Hello, everyone. Can I make a comment about your introductions first? Yes. You're quite correct. Healthy mind, healthy body. Healthy body, healthy mind. It's very easy for us sometimes to focus on making our, our bodies healthy. Mm -hmm. We can eat well, we can sleep well, we can exercise. But too often we make an assumption that our brain will somehow just fix itself. Right. And generally it's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. And this is where EMDR comes into its own mm -hmm. because um, a lot of the processing of information occurs while we're asleep, specifically mm. when we're in REM sleep, which is the dream sleep, REM standing for rapid eye movement. Mm -hmm. and that's because our eyes do a little bit of a flicker mm -hmm. while we're sleeping. That's when you know people are dreaming. Right. However, and what does the brain process when we're sleeping? 
all the information we take on in the day. And it does a little bit of sifting and filtering. You know, do I need to remember what I had for dinner three weeks mm-hmm. ago? No. No, not important. <laughs> yeah. But say you have a conversation with someone where it's just a little bit more emotionally, up, you know, evoking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and charged. A, a little bit more emotionally charged, mm-hmm. whether it be your perception or whether it be factual. It doesn't really matter. Your brain detects something mm-hmm. and then it becomes uncertain as to what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And these experiences become stuck. And it's these stuck, emotionally charged experiences, which we loosely called traumatic, mm-hmm. because they are traumatizing, they're upsetting. Mm-hmm. And that's on the mild level of the scale, obviously, on the upper end of the scale would be a trauma of a car accident, losing your job, losing your home, losing your spouse, losing a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the consequences of that could be, if it right. goes untreated, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. PTSD. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. There's going to be a lot of listeners that are like, well, I haven't lost a spouse and I haven't lost a child. I live a very normal life and yet they still probably need this therapy. Yes. Can you can you paint a picture for those people as to like, don't rule yourself out because Correct. this is going to benefit you and here is why. Okay. Well, let me come back to the question first of all about trauma. I said mm-hmm. I used the word, the word loosely mm-hmm. because, you know, people will assume, oh, what I experienced isn't important. No. Mm-hmm. If it is, is significant for you, it's important. Right. And these significant experiences become obstacles mm-hmm. and they shift and change our perception. Right. And that affects every other experience we have. Right. Let me give you a loose little story. Let's imagine you and your best friend for, for years had been planning a 20th birthday. On your 20th, both of you were going to have something special. Mm-hmm. Okay. It happened to be a pool party. I have to say a pool party because I'm Australian. And yeah. It's summer all the time, <laughs> right? And let's imagine you broke your leg two days before. Now, breaking your leg would be traumatic enough. Mm-hmm. But the party happens. Everybody's swimming. You're sitting aside. People keep drawing attention to the fact that you've got this cast on your leg. Mm-hmm. That's kind of negative attention you didn't really want. What you wanted to be doing was having fun with everybody else. Mm-hmm. What do you take away from that experience? How do you remember it? That, that the, not the good part. Now, in three weeks' time, it's your party as well, which was also going to be a pool party. Mm-hmm. How's your perception shifted now? The cast is now off your leg. Mm-hmm. But how are you feeling about the potential of having a pool party? You're probably going to be nervous. Yeah. And your perception is a bit shifted and changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe crowds of people asking questions now becomes mm-hmm. more challenging for you. Mm-hmm. you know that? So this is what we talk about is trauma. Trauma doesn't always have to be a shark attack right. or the death right. of a spouse. Trauma can be any experience. It could be as simple as my dad never, ever came to any of my piano recitals. Right. Or my dad never hugged me or my mom never said they loved me. Like, I want people to understand that we kind of downplay that and say, I lived a normal life. My upbringing was phenomenal. It may have been. It may have been, but, and I I don't even want to use, but it could have been phenomenal and there could have been neglect and there could have been something that created a perception that is now not serving you. It could have been even a negative comment that you overheard, Mm -hmm. like your teacher saying, 
oh, I don't know why she does this. She's never in it amount too much in her life. Right. I know someone who overheard their uncle saying about her when she was six, oh, she's not the brightest bulb, like not the brightest bulb in the whatever, you know. And that now shifts every choice and, and decision we make moving forward. It did for her. And unfortunately, these are the obstacles that people have. Mm-hmm. Now imagine feeling neutral about it. You can't delete an experience, right. but if you can shift your perception. Now there are many therapies out there, CBT, Cognitive (laughs) Behaviour Therapy, Therapy, uh which is a verbal therapy which involves a lot of talking about and experiencing, trying to see why that Mm -hmm. has so much meaning for you, how it affects your life, affects your perception and and challenging that thought process. Mm -hmm. All very successful but can take a long time potentially. And once you resolve something, but here's the problem, you're never addressing the source trauma right. and the muscle and memory, the emotional yeah. and physiological memory, which keeps getting triggered. Mm-hmm. So let's imagine uh, a story whereby you had KFC. Mm-hmm. Poor old KFC. I won't pick on KFC, but we'll pick on KFC. And you loved KFC all your life. Mm-hmm. But on one particular night, you have KFC and you are... Projectile sick. vomiting. Projectile <laughs> stuff, Okay. <laughs> Your perception from then about KFC is going to be ultraly cautious, right? Mm-hmm. It may not have been the KFC that made you sick, funnily enough, but our brain will always try and look for problems, the most obvious. Mm-hmm. It, it, our brain is a wonderful problem solver mm-hmm. when it works well. Yeah. Well, and I feel like our brain is like so good at looking for worse potential. Correct. Right, it's it's wanting to protect you from worst case scenarios. That's its job, and that's its job. And like I felt that shift in me when I started when I had my first baby. Mm-hmm. My brain, they call it postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. I got postpartum anxiety where I was looking for worst case scenarios. How can my baby die in a hundred different ways in mm-hmm. one minute? Go right, and so my brain is now trying to predict worst case scenarios so I could protect my child, and that in itself just created so much anxiety and sleepless nights. And that probably wasn't good for his nervous system. Oh, Now, we don't know why it affected you in that way. Mm-hmm. But once again, it r- relates back to that history. Those little experiences that mm-hmm. you probably didn't pay a lot of attention to. Right. And that's what we do as, as EMDR clinicians. First of all, we build up a history. We try and gather those seemingly inconsequential right. experiences and we determine whether we've got to target them. So you're coming back mm-hmm. to your question, sorry. No. What is EMDR? Mm-hmm. Well, EMDR works on the same mechanism as REM sleep, mm-hmm. but it targets those problematic experiences and memories that have shifted and it neutralizes them. Yeah. Okay. So we use a mechanical eye movement. We, we target the memory. We stimulate the memory. The emotions connect with it. The negative thoughts that are associated with that. Mm-hmm. And then we use the eye movements while you're awake to help the brain re-examine and file it correctly. Yeah. So what you find is at the end of when the memory is fully processed, mm-hmm. you can't delete the memory. You cannot delete the experience. That's not possible. You can't say it didn't happen. Yeah. But what happens is your emotional connection to it is neutral. Right. It's like remembering the milkshake you had yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like, that yeah. was nice. Yeah. It it wasn't scary. It it wasn't scary. Mm -hmm. And therefore that anxiety part of the brain is not triggered Mm -hmm. because each person's anxiety is unique to them and it's based on their worldview and their experiences. experiences. Walking across the street might have different meaning for you and me Mm -hmm. 
because your history with walking across the road is different to me. Right. And so your anxious brain, and we all have that little anxious, that protector brain, mm-hmm. which I'd rather call it than the anxious brain, another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but coming back to EMDR mm-hmm. is what happens is the problematic ones, those ones that are a little bit distorted, they're a little bit out of whack, we neutralise those. So they're still there and the anxious brain can still draw from it, yeah. but it has a more balanced perspective. Mm-hmm. And so your reactions and your responses are different. Interesting. And so that's what EMDR does. Correct. So that's the beauty of it, is that it targets those source memories mm-hmm. and neutralises them. It's really interesting because um, you did an EMDR session on me on Friday, because I was like, I can't talk about EMDR until I experience it, right? Because it almost sounds too good to be true. And it was interesting. It is almost <laughs> too good to be true. It, it you can see change within mm-hmm. an hour. Yes, yes. And what was interesting was as you were doing my intake and you were telling me to remember like a traumatic something, you know, and then you gave me that list of like feelings. Negative thoughts. Negative thoughts, yes. And I remember as soon as I saw the negative thought that I, it was like immediate, I started tearing up. And you felt right? it in your body. Right? Mm-hmm. And I felt it in my body and I almost had like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. You had to talk me through my panic attack. So should we be having that kind of reaction to an experience that happened three weeks ago? It's not actually happening to you now. And right. your fight or flight has been triggered. Right. Why? It's not happening. Mm-hmm. And those are the problematic memories that we neutralize. So what right. happens is now when you go back to that memory and you think about it, it's just a memory. Right. It's not that charge it's, it's not anymore. anymore. Right. Correct. Well, and it was fascinating too because as I'm doing the session, it's funny because like you're not even guiding me through it. My brain is guiding me through Correct. it. So the and therapist that was cool. stays out of the way. Right. So unlike the other talk therapies, we've really got to challenge and we've really got to try and understand. Mm -hmm. EMDR allows your natural processing to occur. The therapist is only checking to see where you're going. We don't challenge that. We don't criticize that. We don't even ask for more details. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of that is when people have really personal experiences, like maybe they were molested or raped, Mm -hmm. I know something happened. But you don't know the details. I don't know what happened. And it's not required for the client to ever tell me the details. They will say to me, oh, someone is walking in my bedroom now. And I say, great, let's just focus on that and allow the brain to work that Mm -hmm. out. I don't ask for any details. Help for men who Mm -hmm. are not always, don't always feel safe talking about those kinds of experiences. No, it's still traumatizing for women, but... Men don't talk as easily as mm-hmm. women, funnily enough. Right. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, yeah, I found that really interesting that as I was doing my session, like I didn't have to tell you anything. Like my brain was literally problem solving in mm-hmm. time and you kept saying like go with it and my brain would like come up with certain solutions, but it wasn't solutions from an energetic charged place. It almost felt like solutions from a very very rational place, mm-hmm. not not my anxious brain, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't my anxious brain. It was like my very conscious yes. and evolved brain. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's it's almost like you have to, like there's something that's happening that is putting the dimmer switch on the emotionally charged anxious brain and putting the dimmer switch up on the other part of your brain mm-hmm. as you're going through this. The other thing, unlike hypnotherapy, which is also a popular therapy, mm-hmm. The client is always in control. Right, right. And I love that, especially for people that have been through very, very intense, emotionally charged. Correct. Like situations where they don't trust people or they can't trust strangers or something like that. You do not hand power over to the therapist. The therapist is only a facilitator. Mm -hmm. 
The client is the one solving the problem, not me. Now, obviously, and I'm going to kind of backtrack, like obviously people that have been through very severe traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. like cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. or loss of a loved one or some kind of emotional or physical abuse, Mm -hmm. this could be really helpful. People that have been, you know, fought in a war or something like that. But the, the person that lives, and I put in air quotes, the normal life, and yet still suffers with anxiety and depression. Is there such a thing as normal? Well, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like there's so many people that are like, I live a normal life. I have a good life, mm-hmm. good kids, husband. I should be happy. Like I mm. should, like I should be okay. And I am not. What advice do you have for them there? Because, you know, I always, and I'm going to beat a dead horse, but, you know, we don't know what we don't know and we can't see what we can't see. Right. And a lot of the time mm. up until like the age of seven, a lot of our subconscious programs are already set in place and they were there not from us. Mm-hmm. I, I always say like when we are being raised, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind and our parents kind of pass on their traumas to us. Mm-hmm. And we don't even recognize that it's there because to us, it's just like breathing That's air. Normal. That's just the norm. Mm-hmm. And so for that person that is, well, I should be fine. Why, why am I anxious or why am I depressed? Because I, I, co- it's conflict. So we have conflict going on. So we're learning something, but it's in mm-hmm. conflict with our basic programming. Mm-hmm. So we neutralize that. Mm -hmm. there's no longer conflict there's no longer emotional conflict right but what i'm saying is for those people that Mm -hmm. are like i should like i shouldn't have problems what i'm saying is maybe you need to dive a little bit deeper right yeah that's a mistake a lot of people make is they think that somehow i don't know why it is about mental health and Mm -hmm. that people struggle with they somehow think that our brain will fix i can think i can talk i'm educated Therefore, there's no problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the big, <laughs> and which is crazy. The brain should somehow fix it up. But it also, it also can be wired wrong. Right. Yes. Um, and I hate the word wrong. It can just we, be wired in a it. way that doesn't serve us. Correct. Now, the mere fact that you, you're asking questions, my life is good and I shouldn't be feeling down. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get to that point and say, well, okay, well, I'll just sit and wait. Mm-hmm. Time. Yes, time can heal. Only when we do something with that exactly. time. If you just sit around and you don't change anything, mm-hmm. nothing will happen. So things that we can change, we can change our sleeping patterns, our sleep, mm-hmm. what we call it sleep hygiene. We can change our diet. We can change our exercise regime. Mm-hmm. We can get more involved in things. Yes, that is a change that can bring about positive stuff and hopefully it will be permanent. But a lot of the time it's these underlying psychological things right. that we can't identify. Right. And whether it is that you need nutritional guidance, whether it is that you need physical guidance, you would go and seek a professional, wouldn't you? Totally. Hence why when it comes to your mental we health, do, we don't seek a professional. Mm-hmm. Don't try and heal yourself. Right. Well, I think it's crazy that we go to school to learn math and to learn science and to learn all of these things about the world, you know, geography, but we don't, we are never taught skills on how to calm our brains, how to regulate our nervous system, how to meditate, how to get in our bodies. Like these are skills that aren't valued by society. Mm -hmm. And look at where we are. We're in this mental health crisis where people are having, they're really struggling right? COVID really brought that up to the surface, right? It shone a light on a mental health crisis that we just weren't looking at. And it made like, it shook up that soda can and it exploded everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
These are things that one, we need to recognize we weren't taught these skills as children Two, like we probably have inherited belief systems from our parents who got those belief systems in their trauma or their parents' trauma. Mm -hmm. And so now is the time for us to learn skills and utilize practices like EMDR to help us unpack and rewire those things that no longer serve us, right? So if you are living a life of apathy or anxiety or depression and you're finding that you're like, but I should be fine, chances are, again, you, you can't see what you can't see. And it's, and that's okay to, to really dive deep, like give yourself permission to be like, maybe I did pick up something when I was a kid that didn't serve me. Maybe I picked up a belief system that my only value is how productive I am. Therefore I need A's in school and I need to make a lot of money. And now I'm depressed because I'm not making a lot of money and I can't, and this perfectionist complex is no longer serving me and it's actually hurting me or people pleasing complex or people pleasing complex right how many people none of which are healthy right you know how many of us hemorrhage our life force for transactional love right Mm -hmm. we put people before ourselves Mm -hmm. and then we have no energy for ourselves Mm -hmm. and then we we ask the question my life is normal why am i anxious why am i depressed right because you're asking those questions right help get help right get like seek help and you know practice mindfulness, meditation, EMDR therapy, like there are ways for us to heal our brain. And would you recommend EMDR therapy for stuff like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't okay. have, like you said, it doesn't okay. have to be a traumatic well, well, event. Well, let's go back to EMDR and uh, let's talk about it. Historically, it is the gold standard for PTSD. Mm-hmm. But we're learning that all all pathologies and pathologies meaning depression, anxiety, alcoholism, personality mm-hmm. disorders are linked to trauma experiences that have shifted our worldview, right. our self-perception. Mm-hmm. And EMDR targets those and neutralizes them so we right. see change. And the interesting thing with EMDR is though you won't be working in one area, it generalizes. Mm-hmm. So you might find that you have less road rage mm-hmm. or you might find that uh, the dog barking across the road just doesn't annoy you as much. Right. Or you might find that it just the strangest sorts of things will just shift and you go, why do I feel differently about that? Because mm-hmm. somehow those experiences are also kind of spiderwebbly linked. Right. I use the spiderwebbly word. No, mm-hmm. Not good English, right? It's it's fine. We <laughs> we understand what you're saying. Will you share the example of what you your road rage? You I thought oh, that was a great yeah. story and a great example. Like, will you share that? Because again, it's it's not about the rage on the road. It's the thing under the thing under the yes. thing, right? And your EMDR experience helped you discover the thing under the thing. Will you share that with listeners? When it comes to my natural healthy medicine cabinet, there's always staples in there. Active skin repair being one of them. Not only is it medical grade support for your body's natural healing processes, but active skin repair is also non-toxic, clinically proven, and can be used for a variety of skin issues, such as cuts, scrapes, minor burns, and so much more. It's rare to find something that is this potent, but without the harsh and unnatural chemicals. Give active skin repair a try and use the code GUTSY for 20% off. You will also get free shipping with that discount. Yeah, sure. So here is the joke. Um, all therapists are required to do at least, well, Eastern Australia, I'm not sure about here in the US, I'll find out soon enough, I'm sure, are required to do at least 30 hours of development mm-hmm. to maintain the registration. 
And I had done a lot of the other stuff. I'd done uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. I'd done some meditation work. I had done a lot of other development stuffs to improve my skills. And I'd heard a lot about EMDR. And I thought, oh, this is hocus pocus. How mm-hmm. can someone wiggling a finger in front of you or a light in front of you cause this significant shift because it's a cognitive thing? Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't understand the science behind it because I hadn't researched it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I've got to do these hours of self-development, yeah, you know, uh, professional development. I will. What have I lost? I mean, it'll just go against my hours, right? Mm-hmm. So I joined. I signed on for the beginners course. And volunteered to be the guinea pig. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I'll see for myself, right? And uh, we had to pick something not majorly traumatic. And I had been struggling with road rage for some year. And I'm not sure why I did. And I'd used all the cognitive stuff. I had left home earlier. I would travel at times when there was less traffic on the road. I used audiobooks to distract myself, all which were very helpful. And... Um, if I had a couple of days or weeks where things were going great, my journey on the road seemed easier. But one bad road experience, even if it was just someone cutting me off or someone flicking me the bird, mm-hmm. I do. Americans yes. understand. Yes, <laughs> they do. Okay, would trigger me. And for a couple of days, I would be back in that raging mood where anything annoyed and irritated me. Mm-hmm. Now, here was the tricky thing about it. It was coming from a core emotional thing. And even my rational brain, even though I said, what you're thinking and feeling now is illogical and irrational, mm-hmm. it didn't help. And I was beating myself up saying, hang on a minute, you're a therapist and you teach people to calm themselves and to think rationally. Like you should know better. I, I should mm-hmm. know better and, and these skills aren't working. So if I'm, I'm questioning the skills within myself, right. is therapy a load of hogwash? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And is that fair to get people to pay good money when mm-hmm. it's, we're just handing them a placebo? It, it isn't. The therapy does work. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the challenge. We found out that my road rage had nothing to do with anything, any experience to do with the car. It was about underlying cognitions of power and control Mm -hmm. and it was related to a we call it detention Mm -hmm. Uh, they call it detention here detention it was related to an experience of detention when i was probably about eight or nine maybe ten where i was meant to go to a dental appointment and the teacher grabbed me into detention because i had been put in there unbeknownst to myself Mm -hmm. and she wouldn't let me go to the parking lot and tell my Mm mum. and uh I had this awful trapped power control thing. Mm. And so in the road when I was driving, when people made choices ahead of me which restricted my choices, that just brought the rage up. Mm -hmm. So it had nothing to do with with the car. Not that my dad was the greatest on the road growing up. He was Mm -hmm. an impatient driver. So (laughs) I'm I'm not assuming that helped. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we targeted these memories And interestingly enough, on the way home, there was a very bad storm and I was stuck at a traffic light for four turns and it took me, a journey that would normally take me 15 minutes took an hour and a half. Wow. And I was as calm as a cucumber. Amazing. And I went, what the hell was that? (laughs) What just happened? What just happened? My brain changed. That's a load of crap. There's no ways that happened. (laughs) Now, does that mean I don't get irritable on the road? Sure, I do. Specifically, if I'm tired or haven't eaten, I get the hangries, the hangries. Mm -hmm. 
But now my rational brain will say, hold on a minute, this is about you and you being not prepared. This isn't yeah. about everybody else on the road. This is yeah. about you. And generally I can calm myself down w- without needing all the other tools like a radio or a distractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my rational brain can now tap into that anger when I am feeling that and rationalise it out. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's amazing. And that's the difference. Yeah. Whereas before, even though I would talk myself down and say, this is not you, this isn't them, this is about what's going on for you, I'd go, that just doesn't matter. Right. And I'll be honest, like with everything that I've been through, like the the intensity of what I've experienced and people that have been in the cancer world have experienced, talk therapy just doesn't work. Like it just doesn't get in there. Like I can, like I'm a, I think I'm a pretty smart cookie and I can conceptualize and understand things really well, but I'm not saying talk therapy isn't helpful, but I'm mm-hmm. saying in a lot, in quite a few situations, like it's not enough. Like you have to rewire the brain. You can't just conceptualize your way out of it. Right. And so for me, I did talk therapy and it only got me so far. It helped me understand myself better, but the energy was still there and the triggers were still there. And the still had brain memory and you still had body memory. It's like muscle memory, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can't tell you how I, as soon as I get sick with a cold or a flu, I am like, triggered. I am triggered mm-hmm. and distraught because I'm like, I'm going to die now. Like, this is the beginning of the end for me. Right. And even though my brain can be like, it's just the cold, it's just the flu. You're going to be fine. Give yourself a few days. My body is telling me and my brain is telling me, no, it's not like you watched someone die for months and this is going to be you for the next few months. And it's going to be this painful long death. And so Again, a therapist can literally be sitting in the room with me and being like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And my brain is like, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. And so with this EMDR. We target the memory and the experience. And I felt that, like I saw that changing and I saw the rational that my brain was doing on its own. And I was like, this is fun. (laughs) Like I remember (laughs) there was parts where I'm like, this is really fun where my brain's taking me right now. I'm like, I didn't even know I had these answers in me right? Like you have all the answers, right? Exactly. But when you're in trigger, there's nothing else that you can think of. No, you're in fight or flight. You're in fight or flight. And Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that matters is what you are trying to run away from. Right. And it's, and you're in a heightened state of panic. And And so you're not making good sound choices. No, no, you're not. But, and so that's what I was so fascinated by as you're doing the eye movement thing. I'm like, this is rad. Like my brain is really smart right now. Like that's really (laughs) what I was thinking. And it's funny because in the session, you're like something crossed your brain right there. What was it? And I was, and I was like, nothing, but really I was saying to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm really smart right now. (laughs) That's really what was going through my head was like, your body is talking to me. So mm -hmm. I was, I'm watching and reading, uh-huh. and I could see a shift. Yeah. So when people tell me, I'm going, mm, yeah, mm. they're just acknowledging they're, they're, Well, no, because I didn't want to interrupt where my brain was going, right? Mm-hmm. If I stopped to explain to you what was happening, oh, okay. you know, I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm on a roll. I want to keep going on this roll, right? Uh-huh. And so it was really fascinating. Taking you back to that, at that point, I wanted to shift you off somewhere else because I thought we had drifted off the topic. And mm-hmm. you said, I want to run with that. And what did I do? You said, okay. Let's run with that. Let's go. You're like, let's because go. Because who's in charge? I am. Correct. And yeah. that's the difference with the EMDR therapy. Mm-hmm. There is a time when the clinician will say, okay, I think we've drifted too far off topic. Yeah. But at that point, I thought, no harm, let's just see where that goes. Well, and there was even a, a point in my session where I was like, 
I said, I want to talk about this. And then we actually shifted into a talk therapy session, right? I was like, there's stuff I need to talk about. Like I felt the energy, like it wasn't an anxious energy. It was an energy of like, I want to talk. Like a lot of the times when I'm shut down and I'm in PTS mode, I actually can't talk. Mm -hmm. But I felt, I was like, I need to bounce off ideas. Like I need someone to talk to about this. I need to get a professional opinion about these things right now because my brain is going in this direction and I need a soundboard. So let's be clear, even though the you may start off with an EMDR session, mm-hmm. the client's desires and needs will always determine what happens in the session. Right. As with you, we needed to shift off EMDR. We can go back to it. We, mm-hmm. we didn't resolve, completely resolve that, right. that memory. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you, that it's less triggering for you now. Yeah. It's, it's far less emotive than it was. Totally. But at that particular time, if I hadn't allowed you to then shift into the more mm-hmm. uh, talk therapy it becomes an obstacle. Right. And then I create a barrier. Mm-hmm. So the therapist has to be very in tune right. with the client's needs. I remember when I was talking to you, I think it was a couple of years ago, about the different, I was trying to find, that, this is it, yes. Oh my gosh, this was before Tristan did ketamine therapy. We were looking for an EMDR therapist. We were working with a practitioner in Idaho who was doing his cancer treatment. And she was like, you need to find an EMDR therapist to help move your trauma. And I spoke with you, you were in Australia and, and you were saying there were three different levels of EMDR therapists. Can you talk to us about that for a second? Uh, it, it's just the experience. experience. Uh, you, okay. You're all learning the same stuff, but as you go up and experience, mm-hmm. um, that's all it is. But the three levels I might've been referring to is that EMDR targets part the past, mm-hmm. then it targets current triggers, mm-hmm. and then it does what we call a future template. So let's imagine you had a bad flying experience, Mm -hmm. which now influences how you feel about flying. Mm -hmm. We would target the past experience. Now, current triggers might be every time you look at a travel brochure or every time you go into a travel agency or every time you hear a plane going over. Mm -hmm. So we would target those as well and neutralize them. And a future template would be, let's imagine what it would be like if you were traveling on a plane to Alaska. Yeah. People are immediately triggered. And so we visualize traveling on a plane and feeling calm and feeling confident. Mm-hmm. And we install that using the same eye movements. That's cool. So you can uh-huh. like program things that you want. We're programming a reaction or a response and a belief in yourself. That's really rad. Uh-huh. That's really so cool. So something else to understand about EMDR is there is a term called neoplasticity and mm-hmm. that's how the brain refires. Now they have done brain imaging mm-hmm. whereby they've stimulated a memory and and filmed or taken a picture of what the brain looks like. Yeah. And then they get you to target the same memory after EMDR and the brain does not look the same. Interesting. And many of my clients... Uh, who have carried a particular trauma memory for years have gone home after the session that same doubt you know mm-hmm. yeah sure that didn't work mm-hmm. there's no ways wiggling a finger in front of my face is going to have made that shift mm-hmm. and they come back to me and say what the hell was that <laughs> i've tried very hard to connect with all those feelings and emotions but and i, I can't. say because you're looking in the wrong place it's not there anymore it's, it's been moved somewhere else mm-hmm. so you've gone back to the place where all the emotions was where it was stuck mm-hmm. but while we were doing the emdr the brain moved it so it, the brain is literally moving memories to different to parts of the brain. To where they belong. To where they belong. Not in the emotional center. No. But in like a storage form center. Where it should be. 
Interesting. So, yeah. So every every experience comes with an image because mm-hmm. we store things in an image form and there's emotions and, and cognitions attached with that experience. Mm-hmm. But the emotions drive our motivation. Mm-hmm. They give us direction. But once they've done that, do we still need to have them? No. No, they're no longer relevant. Yeah, right. And so what happens is we drop that off mm-hmm. and then we figure which information we need to keep and which we don't. We filter that out and place the, the information where it belongs. When the emotion is disturbed or traumatizing, it has everything, mm-hmm. even the irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And that's when the obstacle, when it becomes an obstacle because it's not functional. Yeah. So why is it that our brain doesn't undo that in REM sleep? Why are we not doing that? Because of the emotion attached to it. It, it, mm. it can't determine what it needs to go. Do gotcha. I go left or do I go right? What do I keep and what don't I keep? What's relevant? Mm-hmm. What's not relevant? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Because I'm, I'm just looking back on like all of my, that, that makes sense, right? And it's funny because I can look back on specific days and times when I felt my triggers start, right? And like there is, there's that heightened emotional response with the memory. And you always think like, and I remember in the beginning, I'm like, I just need time. Time is going to make this better. Only time is going to make this better. And not, exactly, like nothing was changing, right? And the triggers were getting worse and worse yes. and worse. And then they were just these like full-blown panic attacks, mm-hmm. right? And it's funny too, because Listeners know I'm very open about Tristan's healing and his 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 health and my healing and my health. But, you know, when Tristan died, you know, you would think, okay, things are going to get easier, right? No. And it's funny because things got a little bit easier, but then all of a sudden, you know, it's like that book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's like, okay, now my body is like, now we have time to breathe and release everything you've been repressing for so long, right? Mm-hmm. And then things would come up, right? And then I would have one bad day and then triggers come up. And then now triggers are up and now my body's getting sick because of the stress of it. And now I'm sick and now it's bringing up even more triggers. And it's like this vicious cycle. And so it's so beautiful that you've come Mm. at the time you have come so that I can like, because I'm recognizing these things. And that's what I realized in my first session was my brain was literally like putting in front of me a healing roadmap right? It's like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need. This is what you haven't done. But I haven't had the mental clarity to do that because I've been in so much trigger, right? And so much brain fog and so much like what people don't realize when you've experienced these traumatic events, like how many people say, I don't remember my childhood, right? And it's because there was trauma there, right? I hardly remember the past five years because my brain is literally shut down. I can remember the emotionally charged events like they were yesterday, but everything in between it's all a blur. Foggy. It's super foggy. Like I, I can't even remember like my daughter's first steps and her first words and, you know, like all the important things that you, you like know, they you, happen, but not detailed. Right. There's like no detail. Now that's interesting. While we target a memory, a lot of people experience clarity mm-hmm. and the memory, it's almost like a window opens. They're going, right. oh, now mm-hmm. I remember that happening there. And I'm going, okay, well, that was quite important. Uh, you did some filtering there. Mm-hmm. But now that you're seeing it differently, does that feel different? Yeah. Now that I'm taking that into account, that right. does make me see that differently. Right. Uh, but you do that all by yourself. So the therapist doesn't get involved. And I just think that's so cool that like the brain just figures it out. Like once you move things the around, brain the brain just figures it out. Yeah. And it gets clearer and clearer as you move that around. Throws away the garbage. 
Yes. Can we just throw away all the garbage in one session? No. <laughs> so, so I wonder, like people are probably wondering, well, how long is this going to take for okay. me to work through my stuff? It, it, well, it, everyone's different. Right. Most memories can be, most traumatic memories possibly can be resolved within mm-hmm. the 50 minutes. Mm-hmm which is one session, but can some take three. I have a, a particular client that's had significant trauma. Sometimes it takes a bit longer. So it's like three sessions, that's it? No. Wait, you were saying? Most memories, it's very rare for, mm-hmm. remember we're only targeting one a memory, memory at a time. time. Okay. Most of those individual memories should be resolved within the session. Gotcha. But some really ones can take up to three sessions mm-hmm. and but that's not a rule. Mm-hmm. And then we're there, working on the next memory. Because there are a lot of feeder memories that might be obstacles. And mm-hmm. sometimes you've got to drift off track and go, well, let's deal with the feeder memory and then come back to this memory. Mm-hmm. That's really rad. Uh, you- but I won't. So the therapist won't be aware of that. It's only when we see something's not moving. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, there's, there's another memory mm-hmm. that's more significant, this one, that's preventing this one from moving. Mm-hmm. So then we have to go and look for it. So I'd love to say that it's really simple. Yeah. Uh, it's not complicated. Right. But there are some cases that are a little bit more complicated. To me, even that seems really fast because, I mean, how many people are in talk therapy for years, right? And they don't resolve a lot of things, right? They keep going back over the same thing over and over. Yeah. So if this is resolving in one to three sessions, one memory, amazing. One, like, one memory. Yes. Right, one memory, yeah. yes. Doesn't it mean that your issue is dealt with? Right. Because there could I'm be healed in three sessions, no, yay! Although you, <laughs> just you'll kidding. be noticing some shifts mm-hmm. within one to three sessions. Yeah. You'll be noticing some little shifts. Well, I've noticed a shift even in me with that like half a session that we did. Like I'm showing up to work today, brain is clear, I'm working on my copy. I'm working on my classes. Even my project manager, she's like, oh my gosh, who are you? And I'm like, I'm a new woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm productive today. Like I'm getting through things. And, and I've told listeners this, but you know, after Tristan passed, like you do look less stressed today. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Like, but after Tristan passed, like it was so hard for me to be productive. Like I had to talk to my doctors and be like, I have anxiety and sleep issues. And for a short period of time, I had to be put on medication because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't be productive. And that was like creating more issues, right? So again, So that's the difference between EMDR and medication. mm -hmm. Medication is kind of like a placebo. Right. It will make you feel better, but it never targets the source. Once you stop the medication. You need it again. It's still there because Mm -hmm. the the brain is still wired the same way. All you've done is numbed it. Right. Okay. Right. You're you're band-aiding it. Like the wound is still bleeding, but you're just kind of. You know, you're not getting rid of like the the object that's causing the wound in the and first place. So. Well, Greg, you have told us a lot about EMDR therapy. And again, I think with my whole this year, I feel like has become my year and my passion to help people with mental health issues and traumas and healing the mindset, right? Healing the brain. And so like, we're so excited here at Provo Health to have you on board, like, holy cow, what a gift that you are to us. And listeners, if you want to schedule with Greg, just go to provahealth.com and you can schedule online and we'll put a link here in the show notes, but he is taking on new clients at this time. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to call in or email and I'm sure he'll be happy to answer those. Greg, is there anything else that you want listeners to know before we kind of wrap up this episode? Nope. <laughs> we are providing online as well as face-to-face. Mm-hmm. 
Not EMDR. Every, yes. Mm-hmm. Not every client is going to be um, suitable for mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. because the, the stirring up of those traumas may be too... Um, too um, intense. Too intense. To be by themselves. And I can't... I have to be present in order to ground mm-hmm. them. So is um, there a way that you can... I will know... You'll know. Uh, within a few sessions how well they're going to manage that. Okay. In which case we'll have to determine whether they find an EMDR therapist close to them. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients who are easily triggered mm-hmm. but saw me for a good couple of sessions face-to-face and mm-hmm. then we moved on to... Uh, telehealth because of the distances mm-hmm. Australia's a big country yeah um, and it was more convenient for them so they could uh, but um, it Red. telehealth may not necessarily so EMDR prior to COVID mm-hmm. did not recommend telehealth yeah at all mm-hmm. uh, but they have now developed protocols because we had no choice right uh, and people were still traumatized and we couldn't just say well tough right um, like you just have to wait it out you just right have to wait it out mm-hmm. but the clinicians still need to determine how well the, the person can cope without the presence of the clinician mm-hmm. whether they're going to dissociate uh, mm-hmm. dissociate is where your anxious brain takes over and those are those foggy face experiences where people have where they've shut down and another part of their brain is on automatic. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, and when people dissociate, remember it's the you person that has to deal with the trauma, not your helping hand. Right, right. Your dissociate itself. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about dissociated identity disorder, which is a very similar thing. Everyone dissociates. Dissociates are those kind of blank moments that people have when they're very stressed. Mm. I re- recall a time at university that uh, I travelled a 10-minute drive, which I had done for years. Mm-hmm. And there were particular landmarks that I always paid attention to. And I was heading to university for an exam, got there, parked my car, and I could not recall the details of the journey. I was mm-hmm. automatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you had said, I'm, I'm going to put you up against a wall and shoot you, I would not have been You're able to recall the details. I remember leaving home and I remember parking my car. I know I took the journey but for the love of me, I would not have been able to remember what happened. So mm-hmm. in that period, I was a little dissociated. Mm-hmm. And so those are the and everybody who are particularly sh- stressed have these dissociated moments. It's kind of like a protection, right? But we can't have people dissociate in session. In session, and that will happen. But mm-hmm. my, I, there are th- certain techniques we do to bring the person back out because it's, but you have to be it's the in person. person that has we call it the normal person mm-hmm. not the emotional person the normal person that's the person that does the day-to-day function right. that person has to deal with the trauma mm, gotcha not the emotional person right. the emotional person is dealing with that trauma already mm-hmm. yeah and we have to hand that over to the normal person yeah Gotcha. So, yeah. so you can see in session, like if they are dissociating, and almost definitely. Okay, I actually didn't it's know. Very, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen too often, mm-hmm. and one cannot predict based on the level of trauma. Mm-hmm. Everybody is individualistic, mm-hmm. but normally, when the traumas are particularly significant, there's always a strong likelihood that dissociation may happen. Mm-hmm. As I said, there are techniques which involve orientating to space and time and catching a ball that brings back the the normal person. Mm-hmm. It's just a 
term we use. Okay. As the emotional person. <laughs> okay. So if you are interested in EMDR therapy, you can do that online with Greg. Like you said, most people are a good candidate for that. You'll be able to tell if they're not. Yeah. Very cool. Guys, go to provohealth.com if you want to schedule your sessions. Like I said, this is a very powerful tool and and I am. I really am on a mission to help bring awareness to mental health for people that have been through a lot of hard times. You know, like I said, and like I always say, mindset is number one in the art of healing. Like you have to have your brain on board. You have to have your brain send the proper signals to the rest of your body that not only is it safe, but it is safe enough to heal. And so if we can, you know, start with the mindset and heal our brains and have our brains rewired for rest and digest and heal and get us back into those parasympathetic states, then healing can be in flow, right? And then protocols that you implement from then on out, food protocols, supplement protocols, detoxification protocols, that will all be in flow because your brain is working for you instead of against you. So Greg, thank you so much for bringing this really phenomenal therapy to light. And I look forward to getting you back on the podcast. Before I, I close out, there are other therapies that you do, right? What, what is it that you do? Teach meditation. I teach natural nutrition. You do like couples counseling too? I do Gottman relationship Gottman counseling. Gottman relationship yeah. counseling. So yeah. that as well. And so, yeah. so you're just a plethora of, how long have you been doing therapy? I should have started with that. 15 years. 15 years. <laughs> I should have asked that in the beginning. Yeah. Like how credible are you? Let me, let me ask right now. 15 years. Yeah. You got plenty under your belt. Okay. Thank you, Greg, so much. And listeners, thank you for cluing in and we'll get you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast.